Absolute monster show today. Mearsheimer, warning of World War III on a two-front axis. And transhumanists make their move. We have so much to get into. But also, because there's too much to get into in just one show, you've got to come and see the full thing live and in person at America Fest. This is the summit that is being held December 17th to the 20th, Phoenix, Arizona. Your presence is requested. You will see Posobiec, Bannon, Kirk, Tucker. Everyone will be there. We will discuss the plan for America. Take notes. This is a working seminar. Get your tickets now, amfest.com, promo code POSO. Let's get into it. The United States and Russia are almost at war in Ukraine, and we can hypothesize plausible scenarios where the United States ends up fighting against Russia in Ukraine. And then we talked about the U.S.-China competition and the problems associated with Taiwan. And Taiwan is not the only flashpoint in East Asia. There's also the South China Sea, the East China Sea, and the Korean Peninsula, right? So you can imagine a war breaking out between the United States and China in East Asia, and a war breaking out in Ukraine involving the United States and Russia. I think more easily then you could imagine a war breaking out during uh, the Cold War uh, in Europe or in East Asia involving the United States and, and the Soviet Union. So I think we live in more dangerous times today than we did during the Cold War, and certainly than we did during the unipolar moment. And I think, if anything, the situation is only going to get worse for reasons that you and I have talked about regarding Ukraine as well as Taiwan. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is December 1st, Anno Domine. You just heard Professor John Mearsheimer, University of Chicago. And he laid out a dire warning for all of us today because he's holding an interview with Unheard. And I, I listened to the entire thing this morning. I said, hey, new Mearsheimer dropped. Go in, listen to it at 2X. And he said something that I think a lot of us have been talking about lately, the possibility of a third world war. And he makes a very compelling case for this. And don't forget who John Mearsheimer is, by the way. John Mearsheimer is the one individual, the one individual out there who eight years ago predicted that the United States was leading Ukraine down the primrose path to war with Russia and that NATO in general. And what he says later on in this interview is that the U.S. and Russia are already in a de facto kinetic conflict. We are the ones who are sending the money to fuel the Ukraine war. We are the ones who keep underwriting it. We are the ones who keep supplying it. And so at what point, at what point do we say we're going to get involved directly? At what point do Russians say, well, you know, maybe we're going to take aim at some kind of U.S. asset again? It doesn't need you don't need to go through a million scenarios for people to say we can understand how something like this could break out and understand there are now three great powers in the world, the United States, 
Russia, and China. We are the regional hegemon in the West. China is becoming a competitor global hegemon, and Russia is attempting to regain their regional hegemony in Eurasia and parts of the Middle East. So when you look at it through that lens, you can understand. But of course, the question then becomes, what is best for the United States? What's best for the American people? Do we want hegemony over all of Europe? Do we need that? Do we need hegemony over all of Eurasia? Do we need hegemony over the Middle East? Are we trying to just keep this unipolar moment, as he talks about, the end of the Cold War, that status? Are we trying to keep that the case forever? Because it's not going to work. It's simply not going to work. And more to the point, if we are facing conflict between the United States, Russia, and China, who's on what side? Because I'll say the same thing, and, I, and I've said it before, all right? If we are going to war with China, if that ends up being World War III, and I've, I've said for 15 years that I think that is the most likely potential outcome of the current relationship between the U.S. and China. You had Trump, you had America first that have been trying to de-escalate things, to decouple, to pull China out of the global system. But there's so many other people out there that want to point everything towards conflict. And so if, if it conflict comes, right, if conflict comes, and keep in mind, I'm the guy who moved over to China in my 20s to study Mandarin and to learn Mandarin and speak it fluently, then join the military. Because this is something that I believe is the greatest threat to the United States. And should that come, do we want the Russians on our side or do we want them on their side? Because they're only going to be on one side or the other. Simple question. We have Libby Emmons joining us from the post-millennial. Libby, I know you haven't had a chance to listen to the entire interview, but when, when the guy who predicted the Ukraine war eight years before it happened says something like this, is it something that we should take pause and listen to? I think it is something that we should listen to. And I thought a lot of what he had to say was interesting. And yeah, I didn't listen to the whole thing. I skipped around for sure. I'm looking forward to listening to the whole thing, actually. But um, I think what he was saying was actually a little bit terrifying. It does appear that we are in a proxy war with Russia. We have people in the U.S. and in Europe who are saying that the West should go all in on a war with Russia and that we should be encouraging Ukraine to win a war against Russia, which I don't know how anyone thinks you really win a war against Russia. If you look at that historically, that's um, a very well, Mearsheimer's take. And just just real quick, Mearsheimer's take on that was that you're you're going to end up with with a split Ukraine, right? One mm -hmm. one part of it that's going to go uh, back to Russia or you know become part of Russia. This Novorossiya section, whether or not that includes Odessa, and then the rest of Ukraine is just going to be completely decimated or you know just so weak, too weak to be able to sustain itself. Yeah, you know, I think that there's an awful lot of. Uh, there's a lot of potential for that prediction to come true. I'm actually very concerned about the situation with China. And and when you couple that with the situation with Russia as well, I'm looking at the U.S. trying to fight what a, a two front war against um, China and Russia, two different wars that eventually become one war. I don't think that we are a stable enough nation right now to really undertake this sort of thing. It seems designed to prop up leadership 
and not actually in the best interest of the American people at all. And here's the thing, right? When it comes to the American people, and, and Libby, I think you're exactly right. We have to say what is best. And I've been saying all along, I said it here, I've said it on War Room. It's escalation versus de-escalation. Where are the JFKs? Where are the people who are willing to come forward and say it's time for diplomacy? Every single president that we've had prior to this one has said we have to de-escalate tensions with Russia. De-escalate. We do not want to engage. We don't want to go to war. It doesn't mean you have to endorse everything. It doesn't mean you have to like them, right? It doesn't mean you have to get, uh, you know, you have, to, you have to go study Russia and go be some, some action. No, 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 no. What we're saying is we do not want to go to war with a country that has 6,000 nuclear warheads. And if a war is coming, I'd much rather have those warheads pointed at Beijing than pointed at Washington, D.C. It's as simple as that. And I think that'd be a lot better for my kids and yours. We'll be right back next segment because we are going to talk about transhumanism. I've been working hard to uh, be ready for our first human and obviously, we want to be extremely careful uh, and certain that, that it will work well before putting a device in a human. But we're, we've submitted, I think, most of our paperwork to the FDA. And we're, we're, we think probably in about six months, we should be able to have our first Neuralink in a human. So let's see. And since, since the pager demo, uh, we've expanded to work with a troop of six monkeys. Uh, we've, uh, we've actually upgraded Pager. Um, they do varied tasks, um, and we do everything possible to ensure that, that things are stable and re replicable and that, things la that the device lasts for a long time uh, without degradation. I think it's also important to show that um, Saki actually likes doing the demo um, and is not like strapped to the chair or anything. So uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, so. Um, the monkeys actually enjoy doing the demos because they and, and they get the banana smoothie and it's kind of a fun game. So, um, we, I, I guess what I'm trying to make is like we care a great deal about animal welfare, <laughs> and um, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure we, like our monkeys are pretty happy, you know. So as you can see, a quick decision maker on the fruit front. Elon Musk, Neuralink. Skull chips. You're already a cyborg because you use your cell phone. Well, this would be, there's another part of that where he says, what's well, just like removing a little part of your skull and replacing it with a Fitbit. Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Libby Emmons, you wrote an incredible op-ed on transhumanism today. Humanevents.com. That's right. Everyone should go and read this. Please tell me your perspective on this and your take on this, this conference, this summit that Elon just held. Well, would you like to be a monkey who is happy with your banana smoothie and goes about doing your tasks in order to experience that, oh, it uh, sounds blissful. that pleasure? It sounds blissful. It sounds, Ignorance is bliss, sounds right? Absolutely spectacular, right? There, no. there are definitely some yeah. days where I'm just like, yeah, I'm just like, give me the lobotomy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just do it. sign me up already, right? But yeah, the answer so, no, is no. no. Which, no. By the way, which, by the way, let's, <laughs> to, be, to make it serious, though, to make it serious, that's how they want you to feel. They want you to yeah. feel that life is too chaotic, that you just need someone to take care of it, and and why why shouldn't that someone be the government with their new best friend? Neuralink. And I'm, and I'm sorry, but I, I keep saying all along, 
I'm not an Elon Musk fanboy. And this this is the difference. And I'll tell you something right now. This is the difference between being someone who is a religious believer versus someone who is a humanist versus someone who believes in what, what did SBF call it? Effective altruism. Right. Now, right. Huge differences. Here. Yeah. So all of this is a terrible, terrible idea. It is a terrible idea to link human beings up to one another, to link human beings' brains up to machines, and to make human beings just another object and data port in the Internet of Things. This is not something we should be doing. We should not want to be connected to our smart fridges or to our cell phones, to Siri, to Alexa, to Google Maps, to Amazon. We should not have lives where we think that we may want a new ice cream maker to show up so that we can make our own banana milkshakes or what have you. And then it automatically shows up just because we had the thought. And then our digital currency is debited. That should not be lives that we aspire to. We should aspire to lives where we search for meaning, where we try to live lives aligned with God's teachings, where we look for companionship and joy and to spread kindness to one another not to be lumps of flesh that are digitally connected to one another where our thoughts are not our own. There is a huge difference between being the kind of cyborg, as Elon Musk says, that has a phone in your hand or a laptop at the ready and one that is connected to data ports. What we have now is a circumstance where data flows pretty much in one direction. We reach out and access the data. We can turn it off. Are we going to be able to think neural link off? Or once it's on, is it on? Is it just a an Apple Watch embedded in our wrists and there's no way to turn it off? What is it going to tell us? How are we going to be able to differentiate our thoughts from the stream of data that is coming in through this quarter-sized hole in our heads? Is that what we're really looking to do? Is this the kind of human being that we want to be, one that is half machine and half human being? Do we need this kind of interface? Um, right now, our bodies are the interface to the world. Our bodies are also the interface to the data that we see online or on our phones. We use our hands to type. We use our eyes to see the screens. If what we do is connect ourselves via data ports to data streams, to one another, we are cutting out the interface of the human body. And how long does it become then when, until we don't need the human body at all, until we are all just data ports in the metaverse with absolutely no understanding of real life or real sensation? And perhaps the worst part of all, and this is something that Emily Jashinsky said a few weeks ago um, at a conference, but she was talking about how uh, it's actually not going to be that bad. And that almost is the worst part of all. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Words of the gospel. Libby, what does that mean? Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. I think that you know, what we're talking about is blaspheming God by destroying the human body. I think that's a big deal, blaspheming God by destroying free will. 
once we have a um, once we have an inability to differentiate our thoughts from the various propaganda and advertising streams that we are fed, we have completely destroyed free will. We have destroyed our ability to access the Holy Spirit because our thoughts are not our own. Our souls will not be our own. Our bodies will not be our own. The Holy right. Spirit bestowed upon the apostles the ability to speak in every language and go out and spread the word of God. We certainly won't be able to do that with data streams in our heads. And that, that's an incredible way to put it because you're exactly right. It is only through th free will and free choice that we are able to access the Holy Spirit, that we're able to access higher spirituality. God could have made robots if he wanted to. He could have made us all mindless automatons, right? He didn't. There's a reason for that because the only way you can access it is through your own volition. That's why entonement is so important. That's why um, asking for forgiveness, being truly, truly uh, regretful of your sin and wanting that atonement is so important because it's only through free will. But if you take that away, not to mention, by the way, the fact that, you know, if the government gets involved in it, the companies get involved in this, the NSA, the CCP, everybody's going to be hacking that stuff. Folks, just say no to the skull chips. I don't even care how small the quarter-sized hole is. And we're back. Now, Libby, this, this whole topic of transhumanism, this isn't the first time you've written about it, by the way, because the last time you wrote about it, you got in a little bit of trouble, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. I wrote about the transhumanism revolution for Quillette in 2018, uh, talking about neural link, body hacking, and transgender ideology, and the uh, some non-binary lesbians in the New York theater community got pretty angry about it and said that I was comparing transgender people to weird futuristic robot people and decided that I shouldn't make plays anymore. So now I'm doing That's absolutely Horrific. So we're going to have to find a way. Maybe, maybe I'll, t I'll talk to Charlie about that. We're going to have, uh, we're going to have theater night at turning point. <laughs> we'll, we'll find Ooh. a way. We will, we will find a way. Maybe, maybe we'll have to actually do a, a legitimate version of Hamilton, but, uh, you know, we've got, we've got to pay the bills around here. So friends, it seems like every day brings a new crisis. If it's not the current diesel fuel crisis, it's the threat of the unthinkable happening. We just talked about global conflict, our food supply chains. We cannot take any chances. Get yourself some emergency backup food from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. This is the kind of food that doesn't spoil in your pantry like soup and macaroni do. It stays fresh for up to 25 years, so it will be there when you need it right now. My Patriot Supply is knocking $250 off their three-month emergency food kit. Go to preparewithposo.com to get this amazing discount. It's the lowest price since 2019 and won't be around for long. My Patriot Supply wants to help families more by charging less. So drop what you're doing. Go now. As you're listening, if you're listening to this on your phone, if you're watching online, preparewithposo.com. Your order ships free and fast in unmarked boxes for your privacy. Get enough for the whole family so you don't run out. Go to preparewithposo.com right now. Preparewithposo.com. Now, we've got to play this clip because there's a story that I, I've been checking in pretty much every day on. No updates, no updates, no updates. Idaho. The university students, the sorority girls, their boyfriend who was killed up there, this horrific incident, no updates whatsoever. We've got a new interview with the local prosecutor. So let's go play that and listen to it right now. Do you know inside the house uh, whether the, the victim's doors were locked into their individual rooms? I don't know that. Were any of the victims found outside of their beds? Like, is it possible some of the victims were not sleeping? As far as, far as the victims who are deceased, I can't say for sure. 
Uh, and that would be one of the details that the investigators would want to protect because uh, very few people would know the exact location of the victims in the house. Do you know were any messages left behind in the house, like almost symbols from the killer? Because um, some, sometimes in other cases, you know, um, if it was like a fetish killing, they would leave something on the body or write something on the wall. Is there anything like that? I'm not aware of anything like that. Could drugs be involved in all of this? I have not heard that there's any suspicion that drugs played a role in the killings. So not like a drug deal gone bad or something like that? I am not aware of anything like that, no. So... You know, far be it for me to, you know, to question anybody. And, and, and I, I really hope that this goes down. But Libby, I, I got to ask you, um, this is the guy like, like, really, this is the guy. Do, do you th does this guy give you confidence? Does he give because because he in mind, by the way, the state police and the pro and like the, the, the state prosecutor's office, they're doing CYA all over the place after this interview, trying to say, no, 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 don't take the uh, you know, don't take what he said. You know, it, 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 we're not sure. There's a lot of things being investigated. What's going on here, Libby? I don't think this looks great in terms of getting this case solved at all. I think it looks like a really bad sign for these poor people and their families. Uh, I, it looks to me like this murderer is gone for good. And if he manages to not kill again in the exact same way, he's probably scot-free. This is the so same, by the me. way, this is this Ted Bundy. Right. He, Ted Bundy used to be up in this area, right? Uh, Boise. Mm -hmm. He would be in um, Spokane area. Some of the smaller towns are on around the borders. Right. This was this was Ted Bundy area. And so when, you know, I, I some people said and they've you know, I've gotten some flack for saying I think the serial killers are back when I was talking about the story before. But look, I'm talking about the fact that this was where Ted Bundy was and the fact that the police up there. Right. And, and by the way, those murders, we only ever connected them to Bundy because he confessed for them after long, long mm -hmm. after the fact. Uh, we're sitting here going, look, where's the CSI? Where's the DNA? Where's Ancestry and 23andMe? And oh, we got a partial palm print or whatever. It, Libby, is, is that are those TV shows just propaganda? Because I looked up the stats and somebody pointed this out to me that it said something like 50 percent of murders in the United States right now are going unsolved. 50% of homicides unsolved. What, what's going yes, on? The, the shows are false, and we know that. The showrunners have told us that. Uh, if you look at NCIS and they can blow up a photograph so that they see a rock on the pavement you know, from forever into the image, that's all fake. It's not real. Uh, police don't really have as great of technology as we tend to see on these TV shows, and we know that. The other thing, too, you were talking about the lack of solved murders in this country and how bad that is. I think it's important to remember that in a lot of ways, defund the police was a very effective movement. Um, we not only had defunding of police at local levels and police levels, but it really put a huge damper on morale for actual officers. So we've seen uh, officers leaving the force, going into early retirement, we also saw that because of COVID mandates and things like this. But um, yeah, there's less cops out there. We know that a lot of uh, cities and towns are having staffing crises. There's a, a town, I think it's in California, that said there's no police service really anymore during the day. They just stopped doing patrols altogether. Um, yeah, very. Oh, that's so tolerant. That's so that's so nice and tolerant. Mm -hmm. But but getting yeah. back to getting back to this Idaho situation, I think mm -hmm. now. I and and by the way, I've I've always said, and I'm going to say it again, that I do think true crime prod, true crime podcasts 
And in general, that community is an absolute cancer. Um, it's, it's an absolute cancer on our system because you have people who, now on one hand, by the way, I'm not going to say people who are being helpful, right, are trying to actually investigate things. That's fine. But you have people that are now start arguing over who did what they're going to say. Well, I have a theory. It's the creepy guy across the street. No, mm. I have a theory that it was this one boyfriend. I have a theory. It was the frat boys. And apparently there's some frat thing going on. It's it, and then they, you get communities of people who are now arguing over the murder and they just want to be right rather than actually anyone doing the right thing by these girls. You know, they're not even having the funerals and we're, we're almost out of time. They're not even having funerals for some of them. Yeah, one father mentioned because he was worried about the killer or, uh, or killers. Cause we, we don't even know right at this point, anything about what happened. Um, you know, sorry to end on a down note, but Libby Emmons incredible work today on, on transhumanism and 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 I agree with your frustration on this Idaho case. Where can people go to read that op-ed and to follow your work? You can find my op-ed on transhumanism today at humanevents.com. You can check out all our other amazing work at thepostmillennial.com. And I am on Twitter at Libby Emmons. At Libby Emmons. Folks, do not forget what Mearsheimer said. We are headed right now for a two front world war. That's what he stated. This is the guy who predicted the US involvement predicating a Ukraine war with Russia. Folks, strap in, because it's all coming. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission, lay ashore.